Hello and welcome to AFL by Dummies, and here is the weekend that was. Essendon got knocked down, then got back up again. You're never going to keep them down. Hawthorne <laughs> seemed over the line with the goal umpire signalling and all before Geelong stormed back, but it was too little too late. Jack kicked 10 goals 6 against the surface Paradise under-19 side. Port Adelaide found a new way of match-fixing by leading all the way up until the final siren and still losing. That guy on the Bunnings ad, Steve, yeah, his son had a great game for the Pies in their win over Brisbane. <laughs> Rory Sloan, I mean Rory Atkins, I mean Rory Laird, sorry, Rory Lobb was best on ground as the giant intended Adelaide season. North Melbourne got Mac Bonnulaid, a new phrase which hereby means to be smashed by McRae, Bontepelli, Daniel and Hunter. (laughs) (laughs) Melbourne's finals chances were already in harm's way and now look gone in their loss to the Swans and Fremantle had the bye. That is the weekend that was. Lachlan Ross, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. That was a bit of a mouthful there. The, um, what was it? (laughs) McBonnulaid? Sorry, let me get, let me just get this clear for everyone. Mac Bonnulaird. It's a new phrase. You can find it in the Oxford Dictionary from tomorrow onwards. It hereby means, so, under the definition, to be smashed by McRae, Bontempelli, Daniel and Hunter. Fair enough. I'm sure North Melbourne will be kicking themselves, though, for allowing this word to now exist. Is That's an interesting question. What's more of a mouthful, the word or them actually playing as a quartet? The word. Yeah, I, think the word <laughs> I think the word was pretty much a mouthful. Um... As good as that win was for the Bulldogs and as damning as it was for North Melbourne, wasn't my highlight of the week. Highlight always has to be Hawthorne-Geelong. It's just a rivalry that just keeps on giving us good games over and over and over again. Rarely do we get a bad game between the two. I know we went to the Hawthorne-Geelong game earlier in the year and you campaigned as it to be the best game you've ever seen. One um, of, absolutely. It, it definitely... Out of finals. Finals is a whole other level, but out of finals is one of the best games I've ever seen. Yep, and I agreed with you for the most part on that. So another great clash. Uh, Controversy, as always, um, with the goal umpire signalling behind and then the boundary umpire is like, you know what, I'm not going to let the field umpire know. Should goal umpires have their own whistle? So from what I understand, um, as somebody with umpiring experience, the protocol with that is that the goal umpire and the boundary umpire have done the correct thing there. It's the field umpire that's made the error. So the ball has crossed the line. Both the goal umpire and boundary umpire have signaled that and the field umpire should be observing them to check to make sure if they signal that. And then they blow the whistle and signal So there's no protocol in place for if the goal, uh, sorry, field umpire misses? No, because they're expecting the field umpire not to miss it, basically. Fair enough, because, you know, humans never make mistakes, right? That That's just impossible. Geelong looks to be in a bit of trouble after that loss on the weekend. It's going to be interesting to see if they make the eight. We'll be relying on other people. Anyways, to our teams that don't matter, Carlton played Fremantle on the weekend. So, Alex, I'm going to tell you three games from the weekend and you're going to pick the odd one out. Okay. It's going to be a very tough quiz. I, I bet it. So, Adelaide played GWS. Yep. Melbourne played Sydney. Yep. And Carlton played Frio. Pick the odd one out. Let me think about this. So, Pick the odd one out from the AFL's perspective. I'll say that. So Adelaide played GWS on a Saturday night. It was in Canberra, which is a great venue to have such an amazing fixture. What were the other one? Melbourne, Sydney. Uh, It was the women's day for breast cancer. It was amazing. It was great. And then there was Carlton Fremantle, which to be honest, I don't even remember happening. I'll, I'll go with that one for that reason. Well, you're incorrect. Really? So what the AFL obviously cares about just as much as anything is attendances. 
So oh, no, please, no, no, so no. Ten, I really don't want you to say this. So 10,000 people went to Adelaide GWS. Yeah. So that one's the odd one out because 50,000 people went to Melbourne, Sydney and 40,000 people, over 40,000 people went to Carlton Fremantle. I can give you an explanation why, if you want. No. I don't know whether or not you have one, but I have one for you. No, we're going to move right along. <laughs> so um, it's honestly, it's just a shame that Carlton Fremantle wasn't in a blockbuster primetime slot, obviously, because it would be... Cr- and you know what? It'd be crazy to think that this game wasn't on free-to-air. There is obviously so many people that want to go to these games, and I think it's time for the AFL to get a new model. <laughs> just change their model entirely. So the new AFL model has to be uh, every Carlton game must be on a Friday night. Sorry, that's actually the same as the current model. Anyways, we're going to move along to the next major change. Every Geelong home game that they aren't allowed to play at, uh, that they aren't allowed to play at Dunkin' Donuts Arena yep. has to be played at um, Optus Stadium now. Because obviously there's footy fans over there that want to watch any game. It doesn't matter what the quality of the game is. So if we send Gold Coast over there as well. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> send any team over there and you'll get a crowd for it, basically, is the vibe I've gotten. Here's the thing, though. The rule changes to the game must also happen as a result of this. So you can now only have three above average players on each team every week for every team. If 40,000 people are going to go to a game like this, Alex, 40,000 is a great average. Therefore, we need to make these changes across the board. Yeah. How many teams, if we have three above average players, right, per team, how many teams can we have? Like 100? Yeah. Think of the representation we'd have. Yeah. Everyone from all walks of life except Tasmania. (laughs) Anyways, um, another thing is uh, scoring will not be encouraged in the new rule changes. Um, it's just not in your best interest to score anymore. Um, following on from that, every third disposal must go backwards. <laughs> so it's kind of like rugby in a way. So you, you, it doesn't have to be every single third one, but a third of the, your disposals in the game must go backwards. Also, you must miss a 15-metre pass every five minutes. I, I could name a few um, Gold Coast players that would be more than willing to sign up for that new rule. Yep. And um, lastly, all coaches must remind people in the press conferences that they did, in fact, go to the draft because we were really unsure if they actually went to the draft in the end. So if they remind us every week, you know, that's obviously what we need. If Carlton came out and told you that they'd literally just been around to a local primary school, picked up some 12-year-olds and shoved them in the team this weekend, on a scale of 1 to 10, how surprised would you be? Firstly, unsurprised. And secondly, considering you can only have three above-average players, it it's kind of in their best interest now. Yeah, maybe they should look back to the local primary schools. By the way, I'm totally not, like, <laughs> promoting picking up kids from school that just aren't yours. No, definitely. Let's promote more child labour. <laughs> That's what this show stands for. I mean, not even Carlton could probably pay them fairly anyway. Ouch. Um, we'll move on to my stat now. Um, and we're going to go back to that Western Bulldogs-North Melbourne game. And the idea of McRae, Bonson, Pelly. Hunter and Daniel. Because Could you say their uh, acronym again? <laughs> Please don't make me. <laughs> McBonnulaird. <laughs> Perfect. Because okay. um, they, between the four of them, put in probably the most impressive performance by a quartet of players in a single match ever. Um it's ridiculous, the stats that support this. So they had 159 disposals between them. And I'll look at the averages between the four of them over over this game. So they averaged 40 disposals each between four players. That is a lot. Which is just lot. incredible 
Um, 11 contested possessions each, 8 score involvements each, 4 inside 50s, and 4 clearances each. Like, when you add all of that up together, that is a massive influence on the game. Um, They ended up, the Western Bulldogs ended up having 100 disposals more than North Melbourne, and yet in the contested possessions, it was only 5 more on the contested possessions, or 6 more. And then 98, 99 on the uncontested possessions, which is then reflected in the stats for these four guys who averaged 29 uncontested possessions each, which across the four players shows you their ability to control the ball from one end to the other without North Melbourne having an influence. And that was just the difference in this game is the Western Bulldogs came along with their outside game and said, go on, North Melbourne, what do you got? And North Melbourne didn't have much. That's actually unbelievable. And... A lot of the time you look at like big games, right? Well, this wasn't a big game, but you look at games and maybe there's one or two players off the hook. So you, you know, you try and negate those two. You can't stop four players without having an extremely defensive mindset. You've just got to go out and win it. But if four people are having this much of an influence on the game, it doesn't matter who you're playing, you're going to lose. I don't think in any of the games in which Tom Mitchell has gotten 40 disposals this year, any of the other Hawthorne players have gotten 40 disposals. Put it that way. Has another Hawk gotten a 40 disposal game all year? It's for th- four players to have such strong dominance, three of them getting 40 or above, and then Bontempelli's 35 and two, which for Bontempelli is a game breaking enough as it is. Yeah, that's um, 50 for Bont. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. And the North Melbourne midfield, I reckon, will be kicking themselves this week. But now it's time for my joke. And mine will actually go back to the Melbourne Sydney game because. I was truly fascinated by this game. Melbourne are I don't I don't know how to describe them. To be honest, is we've all heard their record um, when it comes to the top eight, nine sides versus the bottom. Um, if we include Melbourne as one of the top nine sides, their record against the other top eight sides is zero and seven, which is abhorrent, never gonna make you finals, and twelve and one versus the rest, which is Crazy, and the percentage different, it's 74 versus the top eight and 170 versus the bottom. Oh, my. So they absolutely pummel the team below them, uh, teams below them, and just cannot win a game against the teams above them. And I was listening to Jared Waitley, who has a show on SEN, when I heard somebody text in with the most perfect analogy for Melbourne I've ever heard. Because how do you describe them? Because Flat Track Police doesn't cover it, because there's so much potential there. You watch them, and in some of these games, you look at them and go, why aren't they premiers? Like, they really could be up there with Richmond. I honestly think in the next few years, if you were to give them a crack, they're probably, along with Collingwood, the next closest side after Richmond. And so this is why this analogy really comes through. Melbourne is like Shane Watson. They can bowl fast, swing the ball, take wickets, club boundaries, have a gorgeous front foot defence and play a lovely cover drive. And yet for some reason, their average is still only 30. (laughs) At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Shane Watson at so many times in his career looked like the ultimate product. Everything that you could want possibly. And that's what I feel watching Melbourne. And at the end of the day, Shane Watson's test average was 33 or something. Um, A little higher, but yeah, it wasn't anywhere near what it could have been. And all that you're left thinking is about the unseen potential. So will we get more out of Melbourne? I don't know, but 
it did leave me thinking just a few I want to throw out there. If, if you were to compare other AFL sides to other great cricketing players, there are a few that were obvious. Essendon, of course, are uh, David Warner. In that they they played well for a while and then everyone had worked out it was because they were cheating. Um, <laughs> Richmond is like the the Virat Kohli, um, best in the world and probably an asshole as a result. I'll cop that. And then of course my favourite of all, Carlton is like Bangladesh. Everybody's wondering why they keep turning up. <laughs> but yeah, so you know that's just an interesting thing I heard about um, Melbourne. Shall give credit to that show. I think it really sums up where they're at right now. Would you say Brisbane's like Afghanistan? Punching above their weight? Yep. <laughs> but a lot of hope for the future as well? Yeah, definitely. Shane Watson's test average is 35. What could have been? What, what could have been? What could have been? More than talented enough. It's time for your stat now. What have you got? One of the big things that coaches want out of their playing groups these days is a good first quarter. It just sets the tone for the rest of the match, right? Well, that's not as important this year as it has been in past years. So... This, from last weekend alone, Hawthorne, West Coast, Collingwood, Western Bulldogs, and Sydney all won, right? But they only kicked zero or one goals in the first quarter. Wow. All of those teams, um, which is just crazy to think because they all would have been down at quarter time as a result of that. So someone, not me, I'm not going to claim that I've gone through every game this year, did some... um, some compiling of data and 41% of teams that have scored less than 11 points in the first quarter have won. Really? 41%. That is an extraordinarily that's, high number. That's crazy. Because you've got to remember, like, half the time those teams are Carlton. Yeah. Like, I I assume if you just took Carlton and Gold Coast out of the equation... It must be like 70% or something. It must be a lot higher. It's almost 50-50. That's genuinely fascinating um so it just shows that maybe coaching has a bigger influence on the results of games this year going into quarter time going well what's going right what's going wrong and teams are so much better organized from quarter time onwards or just generally teams are more organized than they've ever been before and just structural changes can be made at quarter time um because i assume as the quarters go on the percentage gets lower and lower I think it probably proves that the best tactical coaches in the games are the ones that are that are winning. I think that's reflected in what we see. Alistair Clarks and Damien Hardwick, all of these guys who are, you know, top level premiership coaches are the ones that, you know, are sitting near the top of the ladder. And it's not necessarily the teams with the best list, funnily enough. So that's really interesting. It's a good one there. Let's have a discussion now. We're going to have a little bit of a different discussion this week. We've taken ourselves a bit seriously over the last few weeks. So this week we're going to come out with who is the worst player in the AFL? But with the minor caveat that it has to be somebody that's played at least 50 games. And so no kids. Not really fair to pick on any kids. Yep. And at least 10 games this year. At least so 10 that, games this year. So that, you know, we've got a sample size to work with. Because if we just picked one game, you could pick like Tom Scully as the worst game of the year because he's only played 10 Tom Scully's minutes. a god. Yeah, I know. He's an <laughs> absolute jet, obviously. Now, let's let's briefly put forward our names and then we can give our arguments. Now, I would like to say, first of all, these guys are AFL players. Like, they're a hell of a lot better than us. This is all tongue-in-cheek. Like, it's fine. We're not saying these guys are horrible human beings. However, I'm about to go ahead and try and destroy my player because he's terrible. <laughs> okay. I think the worst player in the AFL is Alex Sexton. <laughs> really? Yeah, he's atrocious. Have you watched him play? Okay. I understand that. He's 
not a great player. Um, I'll bring mine up in a sec, but I'm really interested by this because you've. If we'd had this discussion three weeks ago, I'd be more than willing to uh, argue about it. But he is kicked. He kicked five goals against Sydney a few weeks ago, and he kicked another five against Carlton a few weeks ago. Didn't yeah. He? So he's kicked yeah ten goals in the last three weeks, I believe. It was no, it wasn't Carlton. Who did he kick five against? Collingwood or Melbourne? Melbourne. Yeah, so he's kicked 10 goals in the last three weeks, Yep, which is, you know, a fantastic effort. If you were to take those two game performances out, which he does once or twice a season, he's kicked 13 goals for the year in 18 games as a forward, in quotation marks. He averages 13 disposals a game, <laughs> four of which are turnovers. Yeah. Four of which are turnovers. He's part of one of the worst two sides in the competition. He averages 59 fantasy points for a player. The worst part about this for me is that a lot of the players that I looked at that were close were, you know, just ran about 50 games and who were, you know, 22-23, who hadn't really hit their stride. Alex Sexton is 24. It will be 25 in a few months. He's had his shot. I genuinely believe that. Like, he's he probably should be cut at the end of the year. I'm sure somebody will take a gamble on him. But he's completely missed it. He performs well once or twice a season and everybody goes, man, that kid's got potential, doesn't he? And then he goes back to being terrible the week after. Do you think Do you think his performances are indicative of his club? Almost like, yeah, he's playing for a terrible club. Yeah, but more of the point that, I mean, he's got potential. I'm not going to say he's going to be one of the best small forwards in the game, but he's got potential to be an average player, I feel. Um, but he's stuck in a club that probably doesn't bring out the best in him. The same could be said for my player, but I think Gold Coast is more of a shambles. I reckon you can make that case for most of the players, to be honest, that aren't that aren't, you know, considered elite. My final stat, which I'm gonna I'm gonna reel off, is he's played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons in the AFL now. Oh no. Real really though, the first two weren't much, but it's at least five to six. The highest fantasy points average he's had at the end of the season is 62. Whew. That's going to be tough to beat, but uh, I'm feeling pretty good about this one for one, for one reason in particular, that you wanted to do this player as well and I got to him first, which must mean that you, got, that you think this player is pretty awful as well. So my guy has played 92 games. That's a lot of games. That, that's a lot of games. It's about the same as Alex Sexton, to be honest. I think he was 95. Fair enough. So uh, mine's a Carlton player. Um, I could have picked from about 21 players in their side from last weekend. Uh, Patrick Cripps, obviously not. What's your thoughts on Cameron O'Shea before we start? I did, I thought Cameron O'Shea wasn't that bad when he was at Port. Like, he was a solid, slightly below average player. You know, halfback flanker does the grunt work. And then he's moved to Carlton, and I think... Maybe when he was port at Port Adelaide, it was covering up a little bit of his lack of talent with a reasonably good system. And now that he's at Carlton, he doesn't have any talent or a good system, and he looks like a headless chicken. So he's 193 centimetres tall, which is about the perfect height you want for someone down back because they can take the big forwards if they have to, if they've got some athletic ability. Yeah. Or they can take the smaller players if they've got some athletic so ability. he's a perfect like Dylan Grimes prototype. Yep. Yeah. So he's the, like I said, perfect height to combat all types of forwards. So, you know, he's the sort of person you want in your back line, wouldn't you, Alex? Yes. Because um, when someone's had 129 disposals all year, it's just the perfect thing you want in your back line. What's that average of per game? 
11.7. So he's he's had 129 disposals all year. Tom Mitchell in the last four weeks has had 163 disposals. (laughs) I could have got the number of disposals Tom Mitchell's had all year, but I thought I'd be nice on him. But it gets worse from there. Camoche has 3.5 turnovers per game. Right, So out of his 11.7 disposals, 3.5 are turnovers. So he has more turnovers than, say, contested possessions. So he has three contested possessions a game. He has more turnovers than, say, intercept possessions, which is quite useful <laughs> at a half-back flanker of 3.2 per game. And um, he has more turnovers per game than he's had contested marks all year. He's had two contested marks in 11 games. For a guy that's 193 centimetres as well. He should be playing... Like, I'm not expecting him to be, like, Alex Rance sort of thing, but he should be getting a few, you know, getting in the holes. No, he's had 20 rebound 50s all year, so that's less than two a game. Ouch. I'm not even sure if he's on the field. I can't confirm it. (laughs) With these sort of stats, he could be playing on the field for five minutes, to be honest. But this is my favourite part of Cam O'Shea. So, for the year... He's got six free kicks for and 18 against. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, Cam, buddy. That's the easiest one to rectify. (laughs) He's obviously just a spud that has no idea what he's doing. See, that's what what I was going to counter what you were saying before, is you said, Cam, I'm not even sure if he's on the field, and I was going to counter, yeah, he might not be on the field, but when Alex Sexton's on the field, it actually makes Gold Coast worse. But you've just made it a pretty good argument as to why when Cam O'Shea is anywhere near the ball Carlton should be more worried <laughs> than, than if the opposition player was just there by himself well you know what Carlton could do they could play a zone but with only five people down back so actually give up a spare man in their defensive 50 because it's not like Cam O'Shea is going to make it better for them nope. who do we think is the worst player in the league you, look, you make a strong case for Cam O'Shea, but I have, a, I have a soft spot in my heart for Alex Sexton. <laughs> you have a soft spot <laughs> for disliking him. I, it's, the guy, how he's managed to stay on an AFL list for this long is so impressive. What salary is he on? Oh, he'd probably be on three or 400,000, I bet Oh, you. my God. Because he, he has one good game a season. He's kicked two five-goal bags this season. <laughs> and he's probably kicked goals in maybe five other games this season. That's it. Like, yeah. It's exactly the kind of player he is. He's so flaky, it's ridiculous. I'll put up a poll after we post this episode, and you can all vote on it. Yeah, Um, let us know. Who's worse, Alex Sexton or Cam O'Shea? (laughs) In the meantime, it's time for your world-famous segment. This is Lachlan Ross's Punching Down. This is Punching Down. Jack Rewalt. He's a very good player, would you say, Alex? Like, I think some people would have him in the All-Australian team. Yeah, I would. So, how do you defend him? Well, if you're Gold Coast, you don't. He had so much space in that forward line. I've seen paddocks in rural Australia with less open space in them. In fact, there was so much space that at quarter time, Chinese investors put in a bid to purchase the land. Chris Judd. You are one of the few players who've played for Carlton that I respect. Well, I did respect. Patrick Cripps being the other one, um, God bless his soul. Anyway, I always have to bring him up. I thought liking you was too good to be true because you went out and you threw it all away. You were on the footy show doing a cancer fundraiser for my room, which is a great cause. However, after being told you smell nice, this was your response. I'm using a natural deodorant. The byproduct of that is that it doesn't actually work, but I'm not going to die of cancer. 
Words cannot describe how stupid that statement is. Luckily for you, Foxbody classed this statement as unfortunate. I tend to disagree. What's actually unfortunate is that you started losing hair in your early 20s. Or that you captained a drug-infused team. It's funny how when you search up Chris Judd, the third thing that comes up is Chris Judd's net worth. But when you say things like that, you are worth nothing to anyone out there. <laughs> that was Punch Him Down. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> oh, um, you got to love it when players go out there and make my job really easy for me by saying stuff like that. I really want to respond to Chris John on this one. Like, <laughs> I, just, I just love it. I, it's like, I watched him on Footy Classified every week. He seems like a lovely guy. Yeah. And, and we don't hate him. He knows. I bet he knows it's a stupid comment. But just to see whether or not he laughed at those jokes would be... <laughs> I would... I really want to know. We'll get in contact with him. Get we'll on tag it, him on the Twitter page. Yeah. Bring him in. That was fantastic. Well done, Lachlan Ross. Great job from you. And now... We have the news from our award-winning journalist. And by award-winning, I mean he has the fluffiest hair in the studio. (laughs) Which, if you've seen the studio, is, like, reasonably close. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, here is Alex Henry. Where's Tom Cruiser? Well, that's actually our first story today. In big media news this week, AFL by Dummies reporter Tom Creaser has been put on probation following him not showing up to work this morning. And for some reason, that's all the news we have today. I wonder why. On probation? On probation. Any ideas on how long this probation will last? Well, the, um, the, the board, the AFL by Dummies board will be meeting <laughs> <laughs> later today where the president and his associates will discuss um, whether or not he should be terminated. So it's indefinite at the moment. It is indefinite at the moment. Just like Collingwood's injury lately. <laughs> Tom Mitchell's had 729 disposals this year. And he's had 129! So he's had six times as many Tom Mitchell. <laughs> oh, my God. That's Did you say 729? 729. So he's literally had 600 more. Yeah. But he's had six times as many disposals. In nine more games, in nine more games, he's had six hundred more disposals, which means to catch up, he'd have to average just under seventy disposals a game. That's a fair effort. I'm sure he could achieve that. Yeah. Let's move on to our tips for this week, and our first game is the blockbuster Friday night. And by blockbuster, I mean it ain't gonna be busting any blocks in a Lego set. Richmond Essendon. This is actually a good game. I was upset. Nah, Essendon's done. Essendon are a solid side and they've been playing well. I think they'd love to beat Richmond. Yeah, I I do think they'd love to beat Richmond. Doesn't mean they will. No, fair enough. I'm obviously going to tip Richmond. I will also be tipping Richmond. Collingwood, Port Adelaide. This is what I'm excited about. Do or die for Port Adelaide here. They absolutely need this one. And if Collingwood were to lose it, their chances of making the eight just slip a little bit. Well, they won't make the four. They won't make the four and they go from being... Rock steady to be in the eight and probably in the four to maybe not even in the eight. So a fascinating game coming up here, which is why it's perfect for 145 on a Saturday at the MCG. Who are you tipping? I'm going to tip Collingwood. The injuries to Port Adelaide last weekend will really hurt them. Um, Paddy Ryder is huge for them. And I think they're going to bring in Frampton, I think's his name. And I just don't think he has the experience to beat Brody Grundy, one of the best rucks in the competition, who's just going to put it down Pendlebury and side bottoms throats all day. Sounds like you're jumping off the Port Adelaide bandwagon that you've been quite firmly on for the last few weeks. I mean, 
I expected them to lose this game. I just didn't expect them to lose the two weeks previous, which would have had them in the top four. Interesting. Um, I will also be tipping Collingwood. I really like what they've done this season. Geelong host Fremantle in a game that has become must-win for Geelong with their last two losses. I'm I'm pretty confident they'll get the job done on this one. What about you? Well, do you remember last time they played at this venue? Michael Walters missed as the siren went. I still remember Stephen Hill storming down the wing to get Fremantle across the line in the um, qualifying final good seven years ago. Fremantle have a Six good record ago. here. Yeah, they do. I, I still be too beach long though. Yeah, um, just for the fact that Michael Walters was a late out for them and Luke Ryan might not be back this week either. Yeah, I'm going to go with Geelong. They can't afford to lose. This is just perfect twilight game. GWS versus Sydney, 3v6. Don't you love that this is the Twilight game and then the next two games we're going to talk about are Gold Coast, Brisbane and St. Kilda, Hawthorne? No, this I don't is the love Twilight that. game. Yeah, how is this the Twilight game? I don't care if I'm in Melbourne. I'm always down for Battle of the Bridge. I'm on the west side of the bridge, personally. I think it'll be the Giants that get up. They'll be too big, too strong. I'm going to go with Sydney. Sydney have a good record against GWS. Well, they're both Sydney, so which one? No, I'm going to go with Sydney. This I is th- a cop-out. He's just totally cheating I'm, I'm going to win either way, aren't I? <laughs> no, I'm going for the Swans. Well, Gold Coast is playing Brisbane in our next game in the Queensland derby. And you know what? I'm going for Queensland. I'm going Maroons, and I'm pretty confident that one of them is going to win it. I'll go for the Blues. Hawthorne will beat St Kilda in our next game. Yep, cool. Bulldogs will beat Carlton in the next game. Yep, agreed. Cool. And now an interesting game. And this gets really interesting because... I am a complete sucker for Melbourne. (laughs) (sighs) Melbourne's not going to win this. I know you don't think so. And I know that you've been firmly on the Port Adelaide going to finish in the top four and they keep losing and you keep tipping anyway. I'm totally the same with Melbourne. I didn't tip Port Adelaide this week and they were playing Collingwood at the MCG. No, you tipped them the last two weeks though. What, against, who did they play, West Coast at home and Adelaide at home? Yeah. They're playing at home, whereas this is this is them playing away to arguably the second toughest away trip in the league. Yeah, that's exactly what Melbourne is doing, travelling away to Perth to play West Coast. It's the same, really. It's very similar fixtures. I took the safe bet in Collingwood in the other one. I'll take the risky bet in this one with Melbourne. They, they have to come good at some point. I have to believe that we, we're going to get more from Melbourne than these 28 ball 35s that we just seem to always get and one for 40s off 10 overs. Like, come on, just give me more than that, please. If, so, well, if West Coast win this, they wrap up a home final. I think they'll be getting a home final anyway. I don't think they'll care too much and they've got a massive... No, outlist. I think they'd love to beat Melbourne here because then last week they have Brisbane and they they could rest a few players if they really wanted to. Yeah, I'd just see West Coast uh, beating Melbourne comfortably. I watched Richmond go over to West Coast earlier in the year and they just got thumped, absolutely thumped, and I think the same thing is going to happen for Melbourne here. I'm coming crawling back one last time, Melbourne to win. Okay. Uh, Adelaide play North Melbourne in an intriguing final game of the round, possibly with finals ramifications. North Melbourne's hanging on by a sliver and they just have to win this game. Um, but given the performances they've put up in the last two weeks, I have to tip Adelaide. It's weird to think that this is the same North Melbourne side that beat West Coast two weeks ago. Um, if Port Adelaide were to lose, Geelong were to lose, Sydney were to lose, Melbourne to lose, any of any combination of those four, you know, if you got three or four of those happening, North Melbourne would still be in with a chance. They still have to beat Adelaide this week away, which will be 
difficult, but I think uh, I think Brad's got to give him a bit of a kick up the ass and say, "Go on, do you want to play finals or not?" Um, so I'll be tipping North Melbourne. What the hell? A few weeks ago, we talked about this, and you said Adelaide was going to smash North Melbourne, and I said North yeah. Melbourne is going to smash Adelaide. And in my defence, Adelaide put up a fantastic fight against the Giants on Saturday night. It was a really good game. That's my defence. No, as in, like, they, if they'd won that game, right, then they would be going into this game with massive stakes. They'd be coming at this game thinking, if we pummel North Melbourne here, we're a decent shot for the eight. But instead, they're coming at it with nothing to play for, whereas the North Melbourne side have still got a lot to play for. So that's why I think North Melbourne... I think Adelaide have a bit to play for because they've got to finish this season on a high to take as much of the cut of what's happened this entire season away. So if they just miss out on the eight, it's going to be a lot better than missing on the eight by two to three games and then the media will absolutely rip into them. Yeah, I think prepare to see some more of Adelaide's captains and temporary vice-captains on the sidelines for sling tackles. I just been very disappointed with Adelaide over the last few weeks. Taylor Walker is not the captain he once was. Anyways, and that's another show done for the week. Uh, Thanks to everyone for listening. You can catch us on iTunes, Facebook, and occasionally Twitter. Um, Quite frequently Twitter, actually. Did we post last week? Yeah. I tweeted at Gil. Didn't get a response, sadly. There you go. In my defence, Gil doesn't actually have a Twitter account. I just tweeted at the AFL and they don't respond to anyone. So, um, Imagine if the AFL responded to AFL by dummies. They'd literally be stooping down to our level. (laughs) (laughs) We will be definitely tweeting at Chris Judd this week. So, you know, jump on board so we can see if we can get a decent response for him. And to any um, AFL by dummies reporters that were, for instance, on probation having listened to this podcast, um, just be careful, eh? Yeah. We got our eye on you. (laughs) From myself, Chuck. And Alex. Have a nice day, everyone. Was best on ground as the Giants ended Adelaide season. North Melbourne got (laughs) McBoney... North Melbourne got Mac. Bonnier-led. Melbourne's finance... Oh, Jesus, that threw me. Melbourne's... Melbourne's finance... I keep saying finances. <laughs> They're in trouble as well, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Melbourne's financial... Oh. <laughs> Melbourne's finals. <laughs>